I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, defending World Series champion Cubs. Hi, this is Ken, also known as Rice Cube on Twitter, with me today because uh, Anno is off on some kind of weird church-burning man trip. I, I don't know what's going on, and Andy's busy, so I have our friend, the Binsky, a.k.a. Mike, guest hosting today. How are you doing, Mike? Well, I'm doing all right. Uh, I did appreciate the the fact there that it sounded like you said church burning. I didn't catch the burning man part at first, and I thought it was a completely different trip that Anna was going on and was very surprised. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, he, he said he's, like, communing with nature or something, but, uh, you know, he, he does a lot of very cool uh, public service things and service things uh, with his church, and I think that's really cool of him. Yeah. But, you yeah. know. You know, when you're communing with nature, the first thing that I think of is Burning Man. So I've never actually been to Burning Man, have you? No, no, I've not. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't imagine ever going to that. I, I've had friends who've gone, but uh, they I, I don't think they, they really explain the experience as much as I would like based on other things that I've heard. But I guess they liked it. Anyway, this is a Chicago Cubs podcast and not actually about Burning Man, and we got some things to talk about. I got to open my sports crate. Oh my gosh, it was so late in delivery with my son, and that was fun. Uh, We'll have a few questions with Mike about our Cubs, who aren't playing like defending World Series champions, but, you know, that's baseball. How's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. That sounds, uh, that sounds wonderful. All right. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for... Yep, we are here very early in the morning to open the sports crate that took forever to come. It was supposed to come in June, right? End of June. I'm done. Yep, and... <clears throat> Today is July 7th, that's, no, July 8th, because July 7th was yesterday. Now we open. Hey, what the heck is this? Open it up. It's a pot holder. Ha <laughs> ha! So oh. basically you, it's a pot holder, you can hold pots in here. So I guess uh, I'll give that to you since you said you want to claim anything cool, huh? No, it's a it's an oven mitt. Almost. Oh, it's like a baseball glove. <laughs> it's a baseball glove oven mitt. And since you're left-handed, you could you can hold it like that. <laughs> oh look, it's Miguel Montero. He's fully posable, game face design, display base included, limited edition collectible. Isn't that like one of the figures that we got in the last part, right? That was uh, John Lester. This one is no longer on the team, although he delivered two very important hits. What did you just get over there? Are those I'm coasters? Trying to figure it out. The bottle opener and coaster. 
Well, I guess I can give you the Miguel Montero card as well as the Miguel Montero figurine. Here, go ahead and take it out of the box. So these, these are coasters, right? No, it's a bottle opener and one coaster. What's, what's the point of just having one coaster? Shouldn't you have four? I don't know. No, it is one, two coasters. It's two coasters that open bottles. Okay. Well, that's actually pretty slick. If you think about it, because, like, you know, I'll open my bottle of beer, and then this says, what's great behind the dish, blah, blah, blah. Miguel Montero action figure. Can't throw anybody out, but still an awesome guy. Jason, don't break my scissors. Hold on, Jason. Uh, you want to open Miguel Montero? Yes. Hold on. I'm going to open that one out of the bubble wrap and see what we've got. Can I think I this one, afterwards? this one actually yeah. seems a little cooler than the last one. The last one was kind of disappointing. Get out of here, Miguel Montero. Didn't they say there was a display base? Okay. Oh, there it is. Oh, cool. The, the mask is like the mask over here is is separate so it looks like he can like tear it off except he's holding holding the ball in his other hand so he can't really tear it off let's put him on the base and then if you want it jason i'll, I'll get i'll put it on on your shelf somewhere oh cool so it's a flag right yeah. I'm guessing it, it's actually a pretty high quality flag. It's thick and stuff. Does it fold out anymore or is no, it just like it. super thick? Is the paint supposed to be like that? Huh? Mm-hmm. Here, hold me down one zero for me. It's in the box, Jason. Jason, give me the box. What's in the box? Shot glasses. Ha! Oh. That's not for you. At least not for a few years. Maybe more than a few years. There's Miguel Montero. What did I do to him? This poor dude. Broke his leg, Jason. Stop it. It's not nice. What? Here. Let's do this. We're going to make him... I can't find him. We gotta do things. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make him... But we're gonna pose Miguel Montero. He's like, bro, why aren't you throwing any any faster, so that I can have at least a smidgen of a chance of throwing somebody out. But now he's with Toronto, and hopefully he does well. well that's a pretty nice shot, class. Is the other one the same? No. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Nobody wants to see the stupid sports creek movie. Oh, just Cubs. Okay, here you go. And you can take the mask off and put it back on. Isn't that cool? That's yeah. actually pretty cool. Nice so, behind the dish party. I guess that makes sense because today's... Oh I, I don't think I got the golden ticket. I did not have my dream come true. So, hopefully, Sports Crate gets their stuff together. And we actually get a new crate in a couple of weeks because... The June crate came like two weeks late because they forgot to pack something, I guess. 
been pretty poorly executed. Very poorly executed. The well, last crate was disappointing, but this stuff is actually really cool. And I made to put this. Uh, yeah. We'll put this in the kitchen. It's a pretty nice glove. Did you try it on yet? It's a pot holder. Oh, it's got a thumb thing. My hands are freakishly small. <laughs> and these uh, cup holder things are actually really cool. Should I put them on the uh, on the coffee table? Mm -hmm. So I'll put these on the coffee table, I'll put the shot glasses. I guess I should wash them out. I don't think anybody's doing shots. We can do shots of wheatgrass. And Jason's playing with Miguel mm. Montero. For He's the doing... price, I think we should have uh, gotten a little bit better. We should have, but at least this is marginally better than the last one. I can't exactly cancel it because they'll take all my money and not give me anything, so... We'll just have to deal with it. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. I think I may have broke his mask. Okay, let me fix it. Yes, fix Miguel Montero before too late. Alright, so next oh, year, next year we'll, we'll think about it. But uh, my guess is, barring something miraculous in the next few crates, probably not going to do this ever again. But the flag was nice. All right, well, that's yeah, enough from here. Arm back on. That's what? 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 You just broke his arm. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, <laughs> we'll be right back. So, I guess when we when we talk about this, let's let's just go with a simple question: How do you feel about the Cubs right now? You know, it's it's difficult um, because, you know, on the one hand, you you see a roster of guys um, who are still supremely talented and a division that's very winnable, um, a team that's that has gone on second half runs, you know, the two previous years. But they look so damn bad right now, too. Um, and so it's really hard to, to feel like they have any any momentum, but, you know, uh, things change quickly. And, you know, if John Lester starts pitching like John Lester again, and if it was just, you know, a blip, uh, you know, these past couple of outings here and he gets back to being John Lester, you know, Hendricks comes back and is healthy. I, I don't know what to think about Jake Arrieta, but I mean, if, if the pitching staff can get on a roll where, you know, you're getting quality starts, you know, four, three, four, you know, nights out of five, you know, you, you feel pretty good. You feel like you got a shot at this thing still, but it's, it's hard to, to feel like that's a sure thing or and that's going to happen at this point. Yeah. I think it stems from the fact that we are definitely very human in our emotions and our, the way that we live and die by this team. Uh, you know, I don't literally live and die by this team, but I do like seeing them win. And there's only so much that we can do to keep this fun. And right now it is decidedly not fun for us, despite what happened last year. I do agree that, uh, you know, I, I feel optimistic. And right now it's not it's not blind optimism anymore. I think it's more of a cautious optimism where I think, hey, if these guys can get their stuff together and 
and string together a few hits here and there, they they can probably uh, overtake the Brewers. And I I just uh, saw on Baseball Prospectus right now the odds are such that you know at the beginning of the year that the Cubs were like eighty five ninety percent odds to right. make the playoffs, and now they've dropped all the way down to forty. And I I don't know like. It, it, it seems super drastic because even when they were mired in their their 500 streak, you could still see like 75, 80 percent odds on Fangraphs and the Brewers, who are like a few games up right now. They're exactly five and a half games up. They were still in like the low 30s, but now it's flip flopped, and I'm not entirely sure what happens because I'm not privy to those algorithms. But it's one of those things that makes you go, huh? Because we were so confident in this team for so long, and now everything seems like it's breaking all at the same time, and it's just super weird because nobody predicted this. And this is one of those things where, yeah, I, I guess there should be some negative regression. The bat should, should probably come down a little bit from last year, which is historically good. The pitching, they're a little older, and they were super good last year, so probably they won't be as good, but you don't predict something like this. And this, this is just weird. Yeah. I mean, it, you're dealing with just, you know, ridiculously low outcomes, you know, low probability outcomes from just such a huge number of guys that makes it so difficult to figure out how to fix this, to figure out, to predict that this is happening. But I mean, you go through the list of guys and, and the, the number of people performing at expectation levels. And it was a very short list at this point in time. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, Chris Bryant, you know, Anthony Rizzo, uh, you know, Contreras has gotten hot here recently. So now he's finally, you know, above average offensively, you know, Ian Happ, you know, uh, you know, bullpen guys. And, you know, that's about it. You know, everyone else, has you know has been about the worst possible outcome without being hurt or are actually hurt so it's it's tough and you know as far as the the flip in the the projections for playoffs i mean the only thing i can think of is is we've just gotten to the point where you know even if the expectation is that you know the cubs um are going to be a better team they've just they have so many baked in losses into their record now that if they play like the, you know, 95 win team the rest of the way, you know, they, they're, they still have to make up the, that five and a half games. And so, um, you know, it's getting late. I mean, it's, it's not early anymore. We're, we've passed the unofficial halfway point. We, we passed the actual halfway point, you know, a week ago. So, um, you know, they got to get it together. Yep, so there are exactly 74 games built uh, into the schedule from here on out. Uh, it's kind of fortunate, I guess, in, in a weird way, like you expected more than the one All-Star in Wade Davis, but it's really fortunate that the rest of them get to stay home and just do whatever it is they need to do to recharge instead of spending like two or three days with the media circuit having to take all kinds of pictures and whatnot. They could just do their own thing. And I think in a way that it can be super beneficial for them. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like the the smallest of silver linings right now. I mean, last year, you know, the team came in, you know, limping into the all-star break, and they had, what, seven, eight guys, you know, actually there. So, um, and then they came out fine afterwards. So I'm not sure that that really being in the all-star game and, and all those festivities really would have been that taxing on, on this group. But, yeah, it's... You know, it's nice. It's something, uh, and hopefully, hopefully that is a, a springboard, uh, you know, to get the bats going, to get the the starting pitching on track finally, and and get this thing pointed in the right direction. Right, and I, I get what what you're saying. I think uh, for last year, though, despite the fact that they were kind of reeling because they had just barely lost. Uh, a series to the Pirates. They obviously won the final game to make let, get us into the break on a good note. But that that was last year. They had lost the first two games to the Pirates, and then they won the final game, right? And yeah, they were that, still that, they were still like six and a half, seven games up. So I think there well, wasn't yeah. yeah there wasn't a mental fatigue factor in there. However, this year the two games under five hundred, they're five and a half games back. Uh, the they don't even have the wild card to look forward to at this point because the NLS teams are so good. Uh, Washington is so good. Uh, basically, they have to win the division at this point, just looking at yes. the records. So I think there's some mental fatigue built into that. And i got to make a disclaimer that I'm not a psychologist or anything. I'm not even that kind of scientist. But it, it, it just uh, – I, I think there's some built-in stress there. Like, you know, yeah, wow. That's certainly yeah. possible. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll quibble a little bit with your 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 uh, remembrance of, of the Cubs limping into the All-Star game last year. I mean, they were in a real rough stretch for, you know, basically a three-week period there. I think they went mm-hmm. like 5-15 and 15 during that stretch. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the starting pitching was terrible. Um, I mean, it was the one point in the year besides uh, – the three losses in a row to Cleveland in the World Series where the team didn't look very good. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I guess I can understand a, a mental break being needed. Um, and, and perhaps that is, perhaps that is the spark. I mean, again, it's, we're looking for, for bright spots at this point, And that's unfortunately one of the few things we can grasp onto. Okay. So after the, all-Star break, and this is going to drop around when the All-Star game starts. Let's ask this question. Are the Cubs actually bad? Because we have to move on from here. Are they bad? That's that's a tough question. Um, I don't think they're bad. Um, I, I, I think the starting, you know, the, the lineup, there, there's too much talent there, and there are guys that, you know, should be on the upswing. Like, I like we've seen some, you know, some real positive things there. You know, like I mentioned, Wilson Contreras has gotten kind of hot here, and so he's actually uh, an above-average offensive player. Finally, um, you know, Ian Happ's been really good. Um, you know, the pitching staff—it's a—it's kind of an open question. So, you know, I, the the—I don't think that they're bad, um, but they might not be very good either. Um, if, if the pitching can't ever get together and went by pitching, we obviously mean starting pitching because the bullpen has been so good and is one of the few 
uh, bright spots that we do have to to acknowledge at this point. Hmm. And that I, I'm sorry that kind of leads into the next discussion because we've been seeing a lot of fatalism on Facebook and Twitter and just you know the news media. Everybody's all like, well. Let's start thinking about things that could happen uh, for the Cubs. They can either bring people in or they can retool and sell. And that just doesn't make sense. So this will lead us into the following question. What should the Cubs do to get, quote, good again? Because we know that on under the surface they should be good, but they're obviously not good in reality based on the record. What do they do to get good again? Well, I mean, I think the the obvious the obvious answer is, you know, go out and get a starting pitcher that's going to improve the rotation for this year and beyond. Um, you know, going out and doing that is is more difficult than just saying, you know, you need to go out and do that. But that's that's the the real key spot. Um, you know, depending on what it costs to get that starting pitcher um i think you know you're you you can live with what you have in the lineup um you know it's maybe not the ideal setup um but you know there's just there's a lot of really good hitters there um and if they start producing like you know you're expecting you know if Kyle Schwarber is not among you know the worst hitters in baseball uh, you know, if if Ben Zobrist can get back to hitting, I, I think you're fine um, there. And so, really, I mean, it's it's about filling a hole in the rotation now and making it so you got one less guy you have to buy um, in the off season when you're going to lose John Lackey and Jake Arrieta. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this this really has to do with the idea of selling like right now we've got several different um different considerations do you trade assets like wade davis and jake arietta now knowing that it's going to look very very poor from a public relations standpoint and also from the standpoint of the clubhouse seeing that oh we just won the world series but you're already breaking this team apart it's almost like a marlins-esque situation at that point yeah, I mean, um, it's. I don't think the the front office particularly cares much about the the public's viewing of it, but um, I, I think it does matter to the you know the how it would play in the clubhouse. Um, I mean, and you don't even have to go to the Marlins to look for an example. I mean, uh, across town with the whole you know infamous white flag trade. I mean, it, trading Wade Davis and and Jake Arrieta um, in a single deal or separate deals um if you're within a handful of games is going to be viewed as that mm. and I, I just i don't see how you can how you can punt on a season when you've got a reasonable chance now granted if they come out from the break and they fall farther behind because their the wild card isn't an option and you fall to eight nine games back um you know, then then I think you can start entertaining, you know, talk of, of selling. But, you know, if you're still within striking distance and really we're at a point where, you know, if this team gets, you know, a eight, ten game winning streak, you know, they're probably either 
right there or, you know, a game or two back. So uh, I don't see how you can sell on that when we know the postseason is, you know, random and that the best teams don't always win. And, you know, you know, if your pitchers and hitters get hot at the right time, you know, a team that, you know, handled you in the, the regular season, you know, you know, a la the 2015, you know, Cubs Mets where, you know, the Cubs won the regular season, you know, swept all the games and then they got swept in the postseason is, is a possibility. So it's, uh, it's hard to, to give up those chances when you have them. Right. And I think this particular window of opportunity is still wedged wide open. So I don't particularly like the idea of selling at this point. I, I actually kind of like scoffed at that when I saw a lot of articles or just, you know, otherwise very intelligent Cubs fans even broached that idea. And I, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I'm glad to have somebody on my side of the aisle thinking the same thing, like a lot of people. And it's been very difficult, like we said, uh, this period, because the Cubs are essentially mediocre at best. And so the comments, the, the replies, the mentions have been just a dumpster fire to wade through. And it's very difficult to see where somebody's being serious or somebody's like, you know, just giving off a lot of anger. Um, I do see some legitimate uh, trade ideas, though, like, you know, can the Cubs absorb Justin Verlander's contract without giving up too much? Uh, can they also trade for other Detroit pitchers like, say, Michael Fulmer, you know, and or Sonny Gray? Like Andy had a piece about all kinds of different uh, pitchers who are available because there are certain teams that are obviously going to sell like the Oakland A's. So you might be able to buy like a Shamanaya or a Sonny Gray from them. And uh, my concern really is just is the Cubs farm system deep enough so that they could absorb that kind of hit? Well, I mean, I guess it means by, I think it's, it's what are you talking about here? Um, if you're, if you're leaving the major league roster untouched, and you're going after a guy, um, which is going to require you to part with a Jimenez, um, you know, which, you know, any of the big time arms without, you know, major issues is going to cost, uh, you know, obviously I don't think if you're taking on the full salary of Verlander that, you know, you're going to trade Eloy Jimenez in that deal. But if you are talking about Sonny Gray or, or Sean Manaya or something, you know, something, you know, uh, maybe not Manaya. Um, he's got his own issues and such. But, uh, you know, if you're talking about an elite uh, or a guy who has been elite controllable and you give up Jimenez, you know, the cupboard is pretty bare in the minor leagues at this point. Um, you know, the, the Cubs have a bunch of interesting guys, actually a lot of interesting arms. I love Dylan Cease. Um, you know, the draft picks look interesting, um, you know, but they're all really, really far away. Um, and so, you know, those guys aren't as valuable. So, and, you know, in terms of them being, you know, having those guys, you know, to call up, you know, when injuries or ineffectiveness happens, you know, the, the Cubs don't have those guys anymore. I mean, they've got some, 
interesting, you know, sort of role player types, you know, people like, you know, Condelario and Zagunas and, and those types who might be useful big league players, but, but they're not guys who are going to anchor any sort of deal. So um, you kind of have the bullets to make one big trade and then you're back to signing guys and, you know, the Cubs payroll is getting up there and, you know, brushing up against the luxury tax with the harsher penalties for doing that. Um, that That's going to be an issue that they're going to have to navigate. Yeah, I did some napkin math and uh, I do think that the Cubs have enough flexibility in the payroll to remain below the luxury tax if they want to sign like a big big name pitcher in the offseason, but obviously you prefer to remain under the tax. Um, yeah, it just seems like they need their guys in-house right now to start hitting. They need to stop giving up first inning runs because I feel like, and this, this might not bear fruit, but it, it just kind of makes sense, right? If I'm already down like one, two, three runs, never mind the 10 runs that they were down on sun, Sunday before they even got to bat, then my entire approach changes and there's more stress, there's more pressure on the batter. They're not going to approach it at the same way. They're going to kind of press a little bit, and I think there's been a lot of pressing. Like, we, we probably even talked about this last time you were on. You know, the Cubs are pressing a little bit, and now that they're further behind Milwaukee, they're pressing even more. And so how do we get them back to where we know that they can be based on our projections and based on prior experience. It's a very difficult thing to navigate in. And I guess that's why I'm not paid the big bucks to run this team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if if any of us had the answer, uh, yeah, we'd be making a lot more money and we've been, uh, you know, for, for a big league team, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I could buy that um, as part of of why you know this whole seemingly you know team wide offensive slump has happened, but you know I, it's not just one thing. It's I mean it's a confluence of four uh, of factors here that have all seemed to have hit, resulting in really kind of the absolute worst possible outcomes for for most of these guys. I mean some of it I think is. You know, some of it's bad luck where, you know, guys, um, you know, aren't getting a lot of, of good bounces. Um, you know, they, you know, some tough calls, you know, and then get out of their approach. And hopefully, um, the mental break from this all-star, uh, you know, all-star festivities where they don't have to, you know, take part in will reset them because, Jake Arrieta is probably not going to be the the Jake Arrieta from you know 2015 through first half of 2016 ever again. You know John Lackey might be done. Um, you know John Lester is getting older as well. So um, you know it, it's going to probably have to be mostly on the lineup picking up the slack. Right. And just looking forward to this uh, off season, I think. Uh... I don't think this team is going to blow their load on a rental like they did with the Rollers Chapman last year. That was like a really, I guess, unique kind of trade. I feel like if they are going to trade for somebody, uh, 
If it's a low-grade rental, they won't give up as much. If it's one of the controllables, like, say, a Chris Archer, which I don't actually think the Cubs have enough to compete with other teams for his services, and the Rays probably aren't going to trade right now anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that's the larger issue with Archer is, is I'm not sure. I don't think he's I don't think he's available right now given where they're at with just the fact that basically the entire American League is you know within striking distance of a wild card game. Um, that makes it difficult. Right, and my experience with this particular front office is they they just keep everything so close to the chest, and we kind of sort of. Uh, expect them to just drop a trade right around the 4th of July. And it's kind of a, kind of surprising, actually, that they didn't do anything this, this time around. I just kept, you know, looking while the fireworks were going off, like whether they would actually make that trade. But, you know, that it, it, it stayed quiet. But my feeling is that they are so, I guess, kind of confident in the direction that this club is going, not – notwithstanding the horrible first half that we've had, but just looking at the direction, understanding that these guys are still young, they're going to grow uh, and all that. They they aren't desperate in that way to make a trade. So I can almost foresee this particular team making one or two minor trades, like Theo has said, and just staying the course and seeing if they could right the ship in-house. Well, yeah, I mean, and thinking about how this this front office likes to work, um, you know, if it's not a, a big trade, um, it's, you know, a guy that that they have some familiarity with. And so, you know, uh, if they are going to go sort of a, a patchwork, uh, you know, rental, uh, you know, option, you know, it's, you know, someone that – you know, someone that they might have some familiarity with, um, someone that they've been connected with in the past. So, you know, it, it seems like right now it's, you know, they'll, they'll probably do something. You know, I, you've got to imagine that they're going to get a, probably a starting pitcher of some sort. Um, the question is, is whether it's going to be the, the big trade that we've been waiting on for four years now, um, or, or is it going to be a, a, another, you know, um, you know, sort of Dan Heron type trade? Yeah, or it might might even be like uh, whatever they did in order to get Jake Arrieta in the first place. You just have an under the radar guy, and that would require them to scout very, very well, which obviously they did until you know Jake Arrieta stopped being awesome. You know, <laughs> but uh, right. Yeah, I, I think I saw some some uh, Twitter fireworks earlier because Nick Stellini said something, and it, it sounds like the Cubs are at least willing to consider moving either Javi Baez or Addison Russell for a starter. I, I, I don't know. How likely do you think that is? I mean, they're, they are essentially breaking up a middle infield tandem that has been very, very good defensively and at times offensively. Uh, do you think there's any meat to that idea? Or is that just like oh, one of those, well, I'm a fan and I'm going to produce a trade because I happen to hate these two guys that are sucking right now, and I'm just going to throw two names in a hat and hope to get something back. 
I mean, I think it's it's pretty easy to understand why um, maybe some Cubs fans are, are ready to move on from Addison Russell at this point. And, uh, I mean, it seems like, you know, that there are some, you know, fairly reputable people suggesting that the Cubs might be willing to to make a move involving um, a position player, a young position player at the major league level. Mm. which previously didn't seem like something that would happen. Um, but, you know, from them being willing to make a deal versus a deal actually happening, that seems like a pretty far – it seems like a lot of things would have to happen. And, you know, as you mentioned, the Twitter fireworks with uh, Nick Stellini there, um, you know, it points out, a, I think, a, a very, you know – valid point at least in the case especially when you're talking about Addison Russell and that is you know his stock right now has to be viewed as being down I mean maybe there's a team out there that really really believes in him and you know you know maybe then they have the piece that you're looking for in that sort of trade but you know that's a lot of things to have to go right because you know Addison Russell was you know viewed as this guy who was you know was, you know, this big breakout candidate. I mean, there were lots and lots of people, you know, picking him to be, you know, kind of explode and have an MVP type year. And, you know, he's been, well, not very good offensively. Um, he's maybe hurt, um, you know, and then that's not to mention all the off the field stuff. So, um, yeah, totally you know, understood. It, it seems, it seems like, Unfortunately, unless you're talking about trading, you know, Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo, which I don't think anyone is going to entertain any of those ideas, you're selling low on on the guys that, you know, you're giving up. If you're trading, you know, if you're trading Edison Russell or, you know, you know Javier Baez or, you know, Kyle Schwarber, I mean, all of, you know, I, I don't think their their value is as high as it was, say, last year, and and that makes it tough. And this front office, um, unless they are absolutely done with a player, you know, they you know they will hold on to a guy if they're not getting the value they want. Yeah, oh, I understand that, and just you know, uh, to emphasize trading Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo, that was probably going to be a fireable offense. So. I don't foresee that happening at all. I guess that, yeah, that, I'm, yeah, I'm completely unreasonable when it comes to Chris Bryant. Um, you know, I, you know, you're going to load up as many dump trucks as you need to make sure that he is here forever. So, yeah. And I think it, for, for obvious reasons, his agent is trying to get him to, uh, Wait for free agency, play it year by year. He's already got the, like the highest pre-arbitration contract ever, you know, beating out Mike Trout. He's probably going to make at least $10 million in his first year of Super 2. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, he's got, he's, he's got no reason to sign early. And that, I mean, and everyone knew that from the beginning. I mean, he signed up until this year, what was the largest draft bonus since they put in the new slot requirements? Um, you know, he, you know, came from, you know, a, a family environment where there wasn't pressure on him to get a, a big payday right away. And, you know, 
being a position player, you know, it's a lot easier to gamble on yourself than say a pitcher. So, and then you throw in his agent and then, yeah, I mean, it's the perfect storm. I mean, he is gonna, he's gonna go to, he's gonna go year by year and, you know, hopefully, you know, the Cubs can ensure that he stays beyond that, but it, you know, you're not going to get a discount on him. Nope. And it's a good thing that he's, uh, with the team at least through like what 2021 or something like that. So he got yeah, four more years. Yeah, four more years of Chris Bryant after this one, and that's something to look forward to. The beauty and the history in this cathedral. The sky so blue against the grass so green. Like time stood still for Speaking of uh the fact that the Cubs did win the World Series, I, I guess the honeymoon period, it, it was shorter than I expected based on how Cubs fans are treating this like the end of the world right now. I think it is somewhat surprising, but then again, um, the contrast between the two years has got to be one of the most extremes. Um, you know, I think, I think I've seen various things where like the run differential like the the shift in run differential from you know team winning the World Series to the follow follow up year is like one of the highest you know of the past fifteen or sixteen years or some stretch like that. So I mean, on the one hand, you know, all of us you know said, oh, just win one, win one, and then I'll be happy forever. But you know, it we also all kind of knew that you know we'd get greedy and you know and. This was a, a team that should be poised to be really good for a long period of time. And so it's really frustrating watching, you know, a team that, you know, should have won 90 games, you know, is going to struggle unless they get really hot to, you know, to even get, you know, high 80s at this point. Yeah, I think a lot of us will be disappointed if they miss the playoffs. I'm not ready to concede anything yet. Uh, I, I kind of liken this to 2009 because they brought the same people back from the team that won the NL Central like really, really easily, like even though they got swept by the Dodgers in the first round. And then, you know, Ramos got hurt and everything just kind of fell apart and they ended up losing the division by something like eight games. But I, I don't know. I'm not ready to punt just yet and I don't think the Cubs are willing to either it's kind of interesting to see all the reactions like you know you're entitled to like a repeat just because you're good on paper and that's not the case you know you, you actually have to play the games you have to uh, play hard and depending on who you talk to it might be a lack of effort thing it might be because they decided oh we just won, you know, the biggest sports trophy of all time in all of North American sports. And now we can rest our laurels because we don't have to buy, like, food for ourselves ever in public, you know. And that's not the case. So I guess uh, we can read the sound bites or the quotes and see where the tea leaves are falling and whatnot. Uh, to see how Joe Madden decides to motivate his guys after the break and so on and so forth. But uh, it's kind of 
one of those unpredictable things. You don't know if this team is going to take off again like they did in the past two years. And there's no reason to believe that they won't because this is essentially the same team. And you know the pedigree of the players, but at the same time, you don't know who's going to get hurt and you don't know who's actually like legitimately fallen off a cliff, you know? So it's, it's so hard, but I, for me personally, I'm okay with the one. I, I've been on record as saying that this is going to sustain me for at least 10 years. Like the White Sox championship did for the longest time before the Cubs won again. You know, they were lording it over the Cubs fans for the longest time. And, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals have been lording it over the Cubs, and now they don't have a patsy to beat up anymore, you know? The Royals, for the longest time, were a laughingstock, and then they won the World Series, finally, and uh, they've been okay for the past couple of years, just, you know. So I I feel like I'm in a spot where I can be at peace with myself, but obviously I'm going to be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, and... I don't know. I guess maybe I've always had maybe a, a slightly different mindset, I guess. I mean, you know, making the postseason is, is important. You know, don't get me wrong. that That's always been the thing. But I guess what's disappointing is, is that, you know, felt like finally we had a team that was like the Cardinals there where, you know, year in and year out, they're winning 90 plus games and giving themselves a shot. And, you know, even if the team gets hot here and, you know, makes it into the postseason at, you know, 86, 87 wins, you know, I don't know. It, it just feels a bit different. And that that's, I guess, maybe where, you know, sort of my disappointment has really been is that it's it feels like we're farther away from that sort of level of sustained excellence that we were, well – you know, promise might be a bit strong, but at least was was highly suggested we would get. I, I guess there are multiple uh, ways to think about this. I mean, if you look at the San Francisco Giants, for example, every year after they've won the World Series, they've missed the playoffs. And it, it's kind of weird how that works because you assume that, hey, this is the same club with the same personnel. They are obviously good. Why does this keep happening? And I I wonder if it has to do with the way the CBA is preventing too much hoarding of talents, too much uh, acquisition of elite talents and so on. So it takes a while for a team to reload, and that is coupled with the inherent difficulty that that's Major League Baseball. It's so hard to even make the playoffs, much less win the World Series, that uh, it, it's not even surprising to note that a team – won't be able to make the playoffs next year after they've won. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, we, we've, we've all seen the list of, of, you know, performance there. It's those, uh, those dang Cardinals are like the one exception of, you know, after having won the World Series, uh, you know, to actually like make the postseason again in the next year. Um, you know, this is the pattern. I mean, it, it does take a lot out of you, you know, and, well, you know, you know that was, I think, the concern. I mean, I I had that concern about the pitching staff. I didn't think they'd be this bad, but you know, they threw a lot of innings in two years with two deep postseason runs, and it it must add up and it must wear on you. Because I mean, I I don't know what else you can can really explain this. 
um, just how how bad everything is. Um, you know, I, I know some people want to put a, a lack of effort or focus or hunger on this, and you know, I, I guess I can't rule that out. But I'm I'm so reluctant to to read into that, uh, especially in a sport where where you really you can't you know just you know try harder like that. They're sort of diminishing returns by going you know sort of crazy with effort and and you know being all out at times you know that you have to play within sort of yourself at all times yeah i totally understand that slowly toward bryant he will glove it and throw to rizzo it's in time and the chicago cubs win the world series i think we're coming to the cusp of where we have to log off in order to watch large men bash baseballs over walls now so I'd like to thank you, Mike, for hanging out with us. Uh, you can find Mike at the Bisky on Twitter. Uh, you you still write for Cubs Den, I'm pretty sure, and also for BP Wrigleyville whenever they allow you to. <laughs> yeah, it's more more like when when I can actually uh, write something, um, you know. But <laughs> but yes, uh, I, I write there. Like I occasionally write for uh, you guys. Awesome. Follow Ben on Twitter. He's still doing his churchy Burning Man thing, but uh, he can be found at wsdreaming underscore cubs. When I post on Facebook, it automatically goes there. So in a way, we're sort of uh, using that as the official Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, obviously, and we're at worldseriesdreaming.com. You can email us at worldseriesdreaming at gmail.com. You should totally do that. Rate and share this podcast. Thanks to Rich Deanna for our theme song and Randall Sanders for providing the sound bites of the final out. Once again, proving that the Cubs did, in fact, win the World Series. So thanks a lot. Have a good night.